we step into the presence of God, there is no other option than to experience transformation. So I'm just going to declare what I know is true. Um, and I do want to encourage everyone here, if you're not a regular uh, tapper into Bethel TV, I would say um, really just a, a good, strong encouragement to uh, give today's sermon. You just go to YouTube. Bethel TV live stream and today's message it was Steve Backland uh, Steve Backland's book we have uh, one of his books He's, he has a handful but we have the book called declarations and the message was on the power of our tongue you know what what our declarations and our belief systems um, do and can do to affect our lives whether you're stuck or moving forward or you know you need to get through certain things in life what we believe is important. You know, the Bible says, uh, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So transformation comes by thinking different, not trying harder. And oftentimes, we can, we can put out like the engine check light. You know, we, we know um, what types of things we're thinking by the things that we say, the things that we speak, right? So if, if I'm... If I'm a, a guy that has a habit of negative self-talk or, or negative, you know, just I speak death over myself all the time. Well, you know, you're probably going to see that on me because the things that you speak actually draw and attract things to things of that nature. So I would I'll just stop there. I'll just say, give the message a listen. I would you know, you could probably put it on one and a half speed if you want to get through it quicker. Um, Steve Backlund is one of our favorites. We've. We've been at conferences with him and, and had hours of, of his teaching and him and his wife together, too, at times. So it's good stuff. They have their ministry. It's called ignitinghope.com. And, and the message of hope is one of their messages. You know, how many of you believe that there are no hopeless circumstances or no hopeless situations? There's only hopeless people. That's a, a Steve Backlund thing. He usually throws that out right away. You know, and you have permission to be hopeless about anything that God is hopeless about. So you can talk to him about that. You can, you can just spend some time with the Lord and, and ask him, Lord, is there anything that you're hopeless about? And then you just find out. And then you have permission to be hopeless about the same things he's hopeless about. But the reality is, you know, I think we read it last week that uh, Romans 14, I think, says that, you know, the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, or no, excuse me, may the God of hope fill you with all, I think it's joy, and hope in believing. So even in that scripture right there, it, it, it addresses the thing of the part of belief. Isabel, she made it. Yay. And Judy, welcome. So anyway, if you get a chance, I would encourage you to give that message a listen. It'll challenge you. I think that I could use a good Steve Backlund dose once to twice a year. Just to, twice a year. Kind of like a sozo. You know, I need a little inner healing just to, you know, clean the baby. You know, get, the, get aligned with truth. and Yeah. The, the, inner, the inner child. Inner healing ministry, you know, that addresses the, the little baby you inside of you. You might be 88 years old. Happy birthday, Dad. Um, a couple days ago. Yeah. <laughs> See, we figured out a way to roast you a little bit here. Here, I'll 
you might be 88 or 10, like Oscar. Um, but we all have this place inside of us that starts out in our earliest memories, and it's that place where we can, you know, acquire wounds, right? We can all get wounded, we get our feelings hurt, whether someone meant to do that thing or we perceived that they were doing something hurtful. Sometimes it's just perception. Sometimes no one meant anything and you just perceived something coming at you that was not, did not feel good and it created a wound. So we, we start out early in life with wounds and then those places of wounds often become places where the enemy will come and bring lies. And if the enemy can bring a lie across your radar and cause you to, um, well, he doesn't necessarily cause you to, but he, he just throws the stuff at you and, and you choose, you know, do, I, do I grab a hold of that lie and, and partner with it? Like that lie could say, let's see, okay, let's, I'll make something up. I'm five years old, six years old, it's my birthday. I really wanted a red bicycle. I didn't, but you know, let's just pretend. I really wanted a red bicycle. And my parents instead got me a notebook and pencils and colored crayons and stuff. But they told me they were going to get me a red bicycle. And so I was really hurt. When I opened that giant box to find there's just a notepad on the bottom. Okay, this is kind of a stupid example, but just go with me. Just go a little, little further. So, so little Scotty has this wound inside. He's like, I thought that, you know, they were going to show me their love for me by giving me that gift that they knew I really wanted. What I didn't know possibly is that something financially came in and they couldn't afford it. But I wouldn't know that as a six-year-old because parents don't usually put that kind of information on their children. And so I carried this wound all my life thinking that, well, you know, maybe they, they didn't love me and the enemy will, will kind of come into that place and say, yeah, they, they don't love you or they would have got you that red bicycle. And then that lie that you begin to believe becomes a stronghold in your thinking. So just to put, a, to, to put an end to that whole idea, you know, we, we all have places where, where lies have come and gone. Many of us have taken care of the majority of that stuff. Some of us maybe, you know, we have a lie that we still, ha that's, that's gotten a root inside of us. And, you know, God, he's, he's good. He wants to help you with it. He wants to set us free and bring truth into the place of that, where that lie has taken root. And, you know, those lies can be about him. Maybe you believe something about God that is not true. Maybe it's about yourself. Maybe the enemy has spoken something about you that you're believing is a lie. Maybe it's about other people. Hmm, how many of us know, oh, that, one's, that one can be real tricky because you might believe something about another person, what they think about you or what they might be saying about you behind closed doors that you really don't know for sure, but I got an imagination that can really go wild with that. So lies can come in about our beliefs about other people. And lies can come in about our beliefs about our circumstances. You might have a hopeless situation. It might appear hopeless. Maybe you know, your finances aren't spreading across the, the demand for money and, and all of your bills and, and the cost of living and all that. Um, maybe it's your health. Maybe there's concern about your health. It's easy for us to 
allow negativity to come into those places in our circumstances and then we begin to believe a lie where God might have a different answer you know there's truth we will get started I promise you guys maybe this is the message tonight there there's there's truth right here you know my circumstances there's there's truth okay my checkbook is like it is what it is I can't change that right unless I go get a loan or you know God brings a miracle so there's that truth, but then there's the higher truth. There, the higher truth is the truth that exists in heaven's perspective. So I might be here feeling hopeless about my circumstances, about my finances or my health or the outcome of any of that stuff. But if I step into the throne room, if I, if I go up with Jesus and look look upon my life, look upon my circumstances, that is where the lies will dissipate, the lies will, will lose their hooks, and Jesus can speak truth. And, and I, I just want to encourage you, if you have a place in your life where you're hopeless or you feel like you're believing something negative or, or that feels that it's bringing discouragement or depression into your heart about people or about God or your circumstances or yourself, let tonight be an opportunity. If we don't do anything else, but we just go into his presence tonight and allow him to shine the light of heaven over every area of our lives, everything that, that is going on with you, we allow him to shine his light and shine heaven's perspective over that situation or situations. Um, let's just even anticipate that because I can guarantee you the Lord's presence is here and it's not because we've done something special. It's because the Bible tells us there is no place on the planet or in all creation where you can go to escape his presence. So if you can't go anywhere to escape his presence, you might as well imagine him right here, right? Because he is here. He is here. If we could have the curtain, the veil lifted right now, I think we would probably all fall on our faces before him. So we're going to shift into that, that mode in just a minute here. Um, but we're going to just quickly do Wednesday night announcement. Okay, you guys know, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., prayer and worship. Friday night, session 7 of the healing class. We're going to go there with that one. Again, we're going to have Bill. We're going to have Bill for two more weeks. That's like four in a row. And uh, this one from Bill is going to be creating a faith culture. Let me just tell you one thing, one of the takeaways that we're going to get Friday night. Disappointment. Who in this room has never had a disappointment? Okay, so this is for this is for all of you except for Judy. Disappointment. Disappointment is inevitable when we pursue the miracle lifestyle. Oh. So if you are in pursuit of the miracle lifestyle, that is walking with Jesus with an understanding that you were born to release heaven on earth. Through miracles, miracles, through miracles, signs and wonders, through preaching the gospel and seeing people come to faith, telling your testimony to people and people encountering the presence of God as you share your story. Um, yeah, if that's your pursuit, disappointment's going to come. Okay, we don't need to prophesy that every time you're going to do it is going to be a disappointment. But disappointment is going to happen. So disappointment is inevitable when we pursue the miracle lifestyle. 
Learning to deal with disappointment and live with the unexplainable is one of the most necessary ingredients in the Christian life. You know, we talked about that Friday night. You know, we, what do we call that? The box of what? Ah, there's this giant cardboard box. Maybe it's made out of metal or gold. I don't know. There's a, an invisible giant box right here, and it has a question mark, kind of like in Mario, Mario World or something. It's a, one of those blocks. It's a big box. And when disappointments come, when we don't see the answer to the prayers that we prayed, maybe someone we were praying for for healing ends up dying when we were declaring life and victory and destiny over them. What do we do with that, that disappointment? We're pursuing miracles. We're pursuing healing. Do we just say, I guess it doesn't work? I guess healing's not for today? Or do we hold on to what we believe God's word says about those signs should follow and when we, we have a disappointment or an unanswered prayer, we can take that and we can put it in that box, that box called mystery. And we'll just leave it there because we don't need to change our understanding of who God is. And we don't need to blame ourselves or the person, uh, other people who are praying or believing. You know, we don't need to do that. We, we just need to lay it down, just lay it down. And we're just going to say, God, only you know. Only you know. And maybe by your grace, at some point, it will make sense to me through revelation and encountering your presence. So that's that. Now we're going to open up the worship time with a scripture. You guys ready? Okay. And Tao's going to slip in the door here, so don't say anything. Don't say anything. Speak in tongues, everyone. Okay, I'm I'm getting a revelation. Someone's walking in the door. Boom. See, I was right. Don't worry, you haven't missed too much. So this is the opening scripture that I felt like would be good for us to start with tonight. Why don't you guys stand up, too? I know Tao just sat down, but why don't you guys stand up? All right, so this comes from Matthew chapter 16. This is a good, a good passage. This is, this is Peter's passage tonight just so you know that. We picked a scripture out just, just based on you, on your name. All right. We're going to talk about the ecclesia just a little bit tonight. But the scripture in Matthew 16 says, When Jesus came to Caesarea, Caesarea, uh, Caesarea. Well, it looks like Caesar, like a Caesar salad. Caesar salad, Philippi. He asked his disciples this question. What are the people saying about me? the Son of Man. Who do they believe I am? They answered, Some are convinced you are John the Baptizer. Others say you are Elijah reincarnated, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. Simon Peter spoke up and said, You are the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. Now let's just pause there tonight. Ask yourself, you don't have to do it out loud, ask yourself, who do you say Jesus is? Who is he to you? Who is Jesus to you? Peter answered that Jesus was the anointed one, the son of of the living God, the son of God most high. Who is he to you? So with that answer that Peter gave, Jesus replied, You are favored and privileged, Simeon, or Simon. 
son of Jonah. For you didn't discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, or Petra, which means a stone. And this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I build my church, my legislative assembly. And the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So back up real quick and we're going to worship. I will build my church, my legislative assembly. That is where that word ecclesia, or some people pronounce it ecclesia. The word ecclesia is the word there that is translated by the translators into the word church, which is not really an accurate translation of that word. Because if it was like a, a, a synagogue or a temple, then that would have been you know, a church. And most of us think of buildings when we think of church. But that word is the ecclesia. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my ecclesia, my legislative assembly. And we talked about this before. We'll talk about it a little bit later on tonight, possibly, if we get to it. That the church that Jesus had in his heart to redeem and release with all of heaven's backing and authority and power here on the earth is to be a legislative people, a governing people, a people who are ambassadors, um, representatives of heaven who bring the rule and the reign of Jesus, the government of Jesus, into the earth, beginning with yourself. So let's pray. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So Lord Jesus, tonight, we just press into your throne room. We thank you, Lord, that there's nothing hindering us from coming into your presence tonight because you paid the price on the cross. You poured out your blood. You, broke, you allowed your body to be broken open for us to give us access. So we come before your throne tonight by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of our King that has been sprinkled on us, that has been applied to us, making us holy, making us acceptable, giving us permission and, and privilege to come into your presence. So we come into your kingdom tonight. We come into the realm of the king this evening to worship you first and foremost, to give you the glory and the honor and the praise and adoration that is due to your name. Lord, we want to lay our lives down at your feet tonight. We want to invite you, Holy Spirit, that you would pour your presence out over us, that you would baptize us in your fire tonight, that you would change us, that you would transform us in our thinking and in our, our bodies and in our spirits, Lord, from head to toe, inside out. Transform us, and whatever is of the kingdom, let it come. Lord, let, let it be released tonight, that which is in heaven, Lord. We release it tonight, whatever we need, whether it's healing in our bodies or a breakthrough in our situation or just a stronghold in our thinking being torn down and replaced with truth. We just say, let it be released tonight in Jesus' name. Let's worship, you guys.
Thank you, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. None of that now. Quiet back there. That last song, you are with me. Father, you're for me. Fear will never conquer me. I belong to Jesus. I'm never alone. I'm never abandoned. Fear, you'll never conquer me. I belong to Jesus. If we think of fear as a person, we know love is a person. We don't want to agree with fear because we don't want to agree with the enemy. So we want to agree wholeheartedly with your love, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we just we just thank you for who you are, for the love that you pour out even here tonight, Lord. God, that we're not alone, we're not abandoned, that your love surrounds us, Jesus. God, that fear will never conquer us because we have invited you to conquer us, Lord, in every area of our lives, Lord. We invite you to conquer us, to come in and let your love rule and reign and surround us and saturate us, God, that we would be marinated in it to where anybody that we come into contact with gets a taste. They get to taste and see that the Lord is good because you are good, God. You are good. Your goodness, your goodness and your love endures forever. God, thank you for loving us and just letting us come and love on you, Lord. Meeting with us, Lord, as you pour your presence out, Lord. God, we just thank you for your presence here tonight and each and every one of us. God, we ask for increase. We ask for more of you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. More in a greater measure. Even then you've been here for the last 30 minutes, God, we just ask for more. We just ask for more of you, that you would just come and have your way, Lord. We don't want anything to do with it if it doesn't have you right smack in the middle of it, Jesus. So we cry out after you, Lord. We cry out for you to come. God, we reach up and grab hold of heaven and we pull it down. We want your presence here among us, Lord. We want to feel you, hear you, taste you, see you. In all of our senses, Lord, we want them to be tuned in and aligned with your Holy Spirit. So as we move forward, Lord, we just keep our hearts in that place of worship because you are worthy always and forever. You are worthy, God. You alone, Jesus. You are with us. You're for us. We belong to you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Guys, don't stop. Don't stop worshiping. Worship is a continual thing that when the music is over, we just continue to worship him. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you with our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our bodies just yielded to you. Even now, Lord, we just, we continue to yield ourselves to you. We lean into heaven tonight. We know you have something for us. We love that truth, Lord, that you know your thoughts towards us. You know your plans for us. 
Your plans are good. Your thoughts towards us are for our, our good. You have a hope and a future. We just press into that tonight, Lord. We want that, that truth to transform who we are. I want that truth to transform me, Lord. Thank you that your thoughts towards me, towards each person in this room, can't be counted. It outnumbers the sand on the seashore. Your thoughts towards me and, and everyone here, it's, it's always continuous. And it's always good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you, you don't hate us. <laughs> we just break off that lie tonight that, that God hates people, that God hates you. No, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave Jesus the ultimate highest price. He gave his one and only son, the precious, innocent, sinless, spotless lamb of God, Jesus. He gave that price to redeem us, to, to blot out our sins, to, to rescue us and pay the ransom. You paid the ransom for our souls. That's how costly it was. And that's what you were willing to pay. Help us to see that tonight, Lord. Help us to see the value that's on our heads. Help us to recognize the value that you've placed on our heads, the price tag that is on every head in this room, every head of every human being in the planet. You paid it all. You paid the highest price. Yeah, we know that there is a penalty for those who reject your gift. But we won't focus on that. We will focus on you. We will focus on the fact that you love us you're for us, you're not against us. And if you are for us, who could ever be against us? There's no power on earth or in hell or anywhere that could separate us from the love of God, from your love, the richness and the depths of your love. We can't blow it. We can't screw it up. Your love never fails. Your love is unfailing. Thank you, Lord. And because we are in the beloved, we are in Jesus. Our lives are, are in Christ. How much more is your target on us? The object of your affection. We know you love your son. You know, Father, we know, Father, you love your one and only son, Jesus. And our lives are hidden in Christ. You loved us and you've hidden us in Jesus in his perfection. You've hidden us in his holiness. You've covered us with his righteousness and his perfection. His perfect obedience is now ours. We rest in that. We trust in that. We claim that for ourselves. Yeah, we know that doesn't let us off the hook to walk with you obediently. But we know when it's all said and done, we stand in your perfection that you have made perfect forever those who are being made holy, according to Hebrews chapter 10. You have made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Thank you for the wonder of the cross, Lord. 
thank you that you took us as we surrendered our lives. You took us and absorbed us into yourself. That we became a part of your body. That I no longer live. We no longer live. But now it's you, Jesus, who lives in us and through us. We are your people, Lord. We are those who have been crucified with Christ. We said yes to that cross. We said yes to what you did for us. We said yes to surrendering our lives to become a part of your body. And when we said yes, our lives became crucified with you. I have been crucified with Christ. Just say it, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to, I do want to just in a minute here open up to any prophetic words from, I always feel like I got to say this, for for those of you who who have been through our, our class on the prophetic, you know our, um, our desire to have a certain type of etiquette um, as we give prophetic words. So you know who you are who've been through the class. And then there's a few of you that you know we trust you to share prophetically. Um, so we will go into that in a minute here. But I, I just want to, I want to minister this word. I felt like the Lord put on my heart while we were worshiping. I really feel like he wants to break something off. Do you, do you got anything that needs broken off? You don't have to raise your hand, but you know, if you feel like there's something that you know, something that's there in your life that needs to go, maybe you don't even know what it is. Okay, if you, even if you don't know what it is, I feel like the one thing that the Lord wants to not only break off, but to mark you so that there is never ever again a place in your life for this this thing to come and it is shame shame what is it when someone shakes their finger at you shame on you shame on you what is the devil called he's called the accuser of the brethren he's the accuser of the sons of the redeemed sons and daughters of god the enemy the devil your enemy is is real and he is the accuser. He hates you and he wants to point his finger at you and he wants to put shame, shame on you. Look what you did. How could you do that? You know, there's a fun old quote that we used to hear back in the day. If the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. (laughs) Your past is where shame goes. Your past is that man or that woman that was crucified with Christ and no longer lives. Shame died. It is not yours. Graham Cook shared a a word years ago, a couple years ago. He had an encounter with the Lord and the Lord took him into this tent up on a hill and the Lord was pacing. He said, I want my stuff back. I want my stuff back. And Graham was confused. He's like, what stuff? And he said, shame. I took it from you and you have taken it back. I want my stuff back. 
Jesus has taken away your shame. The penalty of sin was done on the cross. It was paid for. Shame is not your portion. This is what the word of God says. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Let's just say it over yourself. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Okay, repeat this. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I'm going to skip down. I'm going to get to the shame part. You don't have to repeat this. This is speaking about you and me. This is you. So just receive the word of God. You or they, it says, but they is you. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. I'll just change it to you. You will revive them. Though they have been deserted for many generations, foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields, tend your vineyards. Here's the important part. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share or a double, excuse me, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Instead of shame, a double portion. Now we know that this scripture is ultimately referring to Jesus. Jesus unrolled the scroll of Isaiah in the temple and he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he read through part of it and then he stopped and he said today this is fulfilled in your midst but what is prophesied about Jesus is part of our inheritance because we are co-heirs with Christ you and I are co-heirs with Jesus our lives are hidden in Christ we are seated with him in heavenly places we have received by faith through the grace of God access to all of the riches and treasures of Christ in the heavenly realm. In, in the, I could read it in Ephesians 1, but it basically says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Your life is in Christ and he is your portion. What he has covers you. He is your beloved. I am my beloved's, my beloved is mine. You are beloved of the Lord. You belong to him. He loves you with an everlasting love, unfailing love. And he wants shame to be broken off tonight. So let's just pray. Let's just take our take a moment. We'll, we'll shift gears in just a second here.
Let's just come before the Father now. Thank you, Jesus, that you're right by our side, that I have an advocate in heaven. I know that my Redeemer lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you are my advocate. You are the advocate for every man and woman in this room. And we come before your Father, our Father. And we just ask you tonight, Father God, in regards to shame, in regards to shame being on us, what do you have to say about it? Just receive from the Lord. He wants to break it off. He wants to tell you. Spirit to spirit, his voice to your heart. I just hear the Lord say that shame has no legal right in your life. You might hear something different, but that's what I'm hearing. Shame has no legal right in your life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we invite you tonight, Holy Spirit, to just come now and cut it off. Cut off shame, cut off accusation. Silence the mouth of the accuser. Bind the enemy, Lord. Gag the enemy. Bind him, gag him, press the mute button. You said what is bound on earth will be, what is bound in heaven will be bound on earth. So we bind the enemy's voice and we release what heaven has to say. We release kingdom into this place tonight. Royalty, double portion. We receive the double portion, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank him, guys. Thank him. He's given you a double portion. More than you could ever want or need, he's given it to you. He's covered you. He's set you free. And he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Legally, it is done. It is finished. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Thank you, Lord. So I, I mentioned that I'd like to open up uh, an opportunity for any prophetic ministry. And what I would like to request is that we try to keep it if you can do it, keep it around a minute. If you have something, I know it's not fair. I just took 10 minutes, <clears throat> but I'm the pastor, so. <laughs> I set the table, so. So I just want to invite anyone. Uh, you know who you are, so if you have something, just go ahead and pop up. We'll wait. Soak in the music.
today what the Lord gave me. And it was Jeremiah 29, 11. And his plans for you are always good. And he knows. He knows us. He made us. He knew us before we were even born. But he said, um, my plans for you are good and not for disasters. You know that word. And he said, and he, and he was speaking to me about, um, you know, I didn't know when I was going to give this. I thought I was going to give it like on Wednesday. But he gave it to me today. And um, he said, for those who have been damaged in some way, shape, form, this is what our loving Father says to you. He says, don't quit, for I qualified you, not man. He says, I am. The I am says, I wrote your story. And now it's time that you play it out. for by my spirit you are taught and by my spirit you will walk by my word by my word is the truth and the truth gives you freedom to move in my spirit as I will my kingdom come, my will be done. And you will see things as I see. Now sharpen your swords, he says, and come out of hiding. For I have called you from the beginning for a time such as this. And then he also says, Right now, I have set in the churches my fivefold, no longer the threefold as you have been taught. There's so many, there's so many that say that we, they only operate in the threefold. And they forgot about the two apostles and prophets. They only operate in the pastors, evangelists, and the teachers. He said, what does my word say? Why do, you ignore, why do you ignore my word? And that's in Ephesians chapter 4. I have given you five. And now this is the day that you will operate in all five. And there is nothing that man can do or say. Because it will be by my spirit. And he says so many that... Uh, are afraid and don't be afraid he said because I chose you I know it's more than a minute but that's what the Lord is doing he said I chose you because it's for someone and for many here I chose you he said play it out play out the story that I made for you you know exactly who you are it's not just for one man, one woman, this guy, that guy. He said, that is all going away. I have raised up my ecclesia. 
to do my will as I say. And he said, keep the unity. There's not one higher than the other. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one body and Jesus is our head. And we look to him and like Jesus did, he asked the Father and he did what the Father say to do and we do what Jesus says to do. And he says, <laughs> you will not be able to go wrong when you follow me. And I had, as I was worshiping, Amy, came, she just came right there in my mind and, um, well, in my heart. And the Lord was speaking to me about you have an inheritance not only from the Father God, but you have an inheritance in your bloodline. And it's a spiritual inheritance that you have received. And the Lord has anointed you. All I see is preacher. As a preacher of the word. And to walk in it. I mean, no, really, seriously, the fivefold, the fivefold ministry of a preacher. Sometimes people hold you back. There's people that try to hold you back, but the Lord says, not now. You're going to walk out your story. He's opened the way. He says, I, I have lit your path. And I'm going to open those doors for you. In fact, he already did. But he said, you play it out. I guess he's speaking that you have a pastorship or something, but I, I don't know. He just says, preacher. All I heard was preacher. See, because you have an inheritance, you have a bloodline of preachers in your family. I don't know who, exactly who, you know, but he says that. He says, you inherited that. And then sometimes uh, people, you know, religious people say, well, women can't be. But he says, no, I'm God. I'm God. I never said that, says the Lord. But he said, I have anointed you this day to speak my word in truth. And he says, I anointed you for this time. And I don't know what happened. He's bringing so many things here. You and your family are blessed. He said, I have not, I will not take you into a territory that I have not yet already planned out for you. I've already planned it out. I planned your future. And so, it, I mean, this is like big time stuff, okay? Yeah, in Christ, there is no male or female, slave or free, Greek or, or Jew, but we are all one. So that just kind of blows out that women can't do ministry thing. <clears throat> awesome. It's not too late. something that my pastor used to say as far as shame is concerned instead of shame on you shame off you good yeah, you could have shouted that across the room <laughs> forgive me if i shove the microphone in your guys's faces but like i told you before we record it all and i if, if it doesn't come through nice and clear then i have to adjust the section of the it's like reading a heart monitor, you know, trying to find out that certain part where someone was quiet and I got to highlight it, amplify it, and then it just sounds weird. 
So it's good if it's nice and crisp. Crisp. Just say crisp. No, you don't. You don't have to. Good job, you guys. Good job. You worshipped. You brought the presence. You are powerful people. You bring the presence of God. You are a container, a pure container of Christ, of Jesus. Everywhere you go, the Bible says in Colossians that everywhere you go, you spread the fragrance of Jesus. To some people, it's the scent of life. To others, it's the scent of death because it doesn't mean that it smells bad. It just means to them, it's like, ugh, death. Run. I'll have to give up my sin. But you are the fragrance of Christ. You carry his fragrance. So if you feel like it, you can turn to someone next to you and say, you are an air freshener. I'm not just trying to puff you up and tell you something that's not true or something that's sort of true but maybe not quite as true as you might think it is. You actually are powerful as a son or a daughter of God who received the spirit of God, the spirit of sonship, who has been given royal or regal, however, whatever, kingdom authority and the power of the Holy Spirit as a deposit in you, ready to just be exploded out of you. The enemy knows who you are, and you may not quite know it. You may not quite be fully aware of who you are in Christ, what he has actually equipped you with. It's kind of like walking around with a bazooka on your back, and you don't even realize it. Kind of. Except for the bazooka's on the inside and it's aimed right out of your belly button. And so <clears throat> I, used to tell, I used to tell the kids this, and Cheryl caught, caught this early on, and she's, she remembers it. It, was, it makes sense for her. Well, there's one thing. It's, you know, speaking shalom or peace. You know, babies, when they're crying, you go, shh, 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 shalom. Just release shalom. You speak it out over a situation. And I told you guys this before. She did that in Hawaii when she was on vacation. They got a not-so-great uh, Airbnb that they stayed at, and there was a, a homeless guy out in the parking lot just cussing and raising his voice, going around circles. She went out on the balcony, and she just went, shh, shalom. And within seconds, the guy quieted down. You are a powerful person. You may not have walked with the Lord a long time, or you've walked with him for decades, there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no senior Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Ghost that we each have. And he is powerful in you and wants to be released through you. There was something else I was going to go into before I re remember the shalom part. The sprinkler. That's right. Bill Johnson said this a long time ago. It was an uh, audio <coughs> file that I listened to. I don't even, it's, it was old. I wanted to go back to the real old uh, Bill Johnson teachings, you know, before they were streaming it on TV. And he said, sometimes I'll, you know, he's talking about carrying the anointing and releasing it. He said, sometimes I will go into like 
my favorite um, Whole Foods type place. It's kind of like they're all new age people that work there and a lot of stuff like that. But they have, you know, the quality organic stuff. So he said, I will go in there and I will purposely walk up and down the aisles and just turn my sprinkler on. Just kind of like, psh, so we used to tell the kids when we would uh, have church in our house and we wanted to pray for someone that needed prayer and healing, that we would ask the kids to come and put their hands on first. And then I would say they knew what this meant. Guys, put your, turn your sprinkler on. Just turn it. It doesn't have to be a sprinkler. It could be a fire hose or it could just be just, just let the wind of heaven come out of you. Well, that might be kind of dangerous. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just you're a container and he's in you and he wants to be released tip me over and pour me out you know I'm a little teapot full of kingdom treasure however you want to imagine or picture it God really doesn't care how you want to see it he just wants you to get that revelation that you carry him wherever you go and you have the authority to shift the atmosphere with who is inside of you being released as Steve Backlund said today and I've I've stole this years ago you know you are a thermostat not a thermometer. You don't have to read the temperature of the atmosphere and then be affected accordingly. No, you're a thermostat. You carry, you have the power of the, of the heat inside of you, and you can raise the temperature and release that into the atmosphere. <clears throat> so you are a powerful person. You're not a victim. You're not a victim of everything that's going on around you. You have power and authority over those things. In our class we just had Friday night, you and I have authority, and it's, you know, the power of God is like the wave. The wave of God, you know, the wave of God has moved in places, and people flown from around the world to just go jump on the wave and get in it and ride it and get anointed in it and filled by it. <clears throat> but authority, which comes from knowing who you are and your identity, authority is like creating the wave. So you can whoo, just release that wave. It's something that we can practice I, I encourage you guys practice these truths practice the presence practice releasing practice declarations over your life of the word of God and the promises of God we all good are you guys good it is 740 and we're gonna we are gonna finish this chapter 12 I mean it's like one verse at a time and that's as far as we get we're gonna get through it by golly we're going to do it. Oh, let me just throw this out. No, no, serious. So I know over the past, in the past, um, on a Sunday, this is different on Fridays because Fridays is a class and we do interaction, we ask questions, and we all f give feedback. Um, <clears throat> Wednesdays is a totally different ball game because, you know, we're all together praying together. And sometimes it's all together in tongues. Sometimes it's one person at a time. But Sundays, um, when we get to this part of the meeting, when we try to go through the scriptures, I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a request that, and, and I'll explain why. I'm going to put out a request that um, we don't raise a hand to pop a question in in the middle of it. And here's why. Here's why. It's not because I don't think any of you have a good question that's deserving of being heard and responded to. But as our church grows, as new people come in, they will take note. They, the people will take note of that and they will be like, oh, well, this is a forum. We can, it's like the round table. 
So at any point, all I got to do is say, raise my hand. And what I don't want to ever like embarrass anyone and say, sorry, we, you know, just put your hand down. <laughs> so does that make sense? Do you guys, does that make sense? And we'll never get through Hebrews. I mean, part, I'm just saying, and smidgen, just a little tiny parts because of that, but most of it's because of my rabbit trail. So apologize in advance. So you guys cool with that? Does that make sense? Are we all cool? Okay. Okay, I just want to I just want to force feed the word of God right now. So all you got to do is open up your mouth or your spirit, I mean, and and just be like, pour it in. So here we go. We are going to repeat one verse and then we're going to keep moving forward. So this is Hebrews chapter 12. So we were comparing Mount Zion of the Old Testament to the Zion realm in the New Testament. You know, the the people of God were afraid to go up the mountain. Moses went up into the mountain, into the glory cloud, and the people were freaking out, shaking, trembling. Um, But that's not who we are. It says, by contrast, we have already come near to God in a totally different realm, the Zion realm, or Mount Zion, which is not a literal mountain, but an obvious metaphor for the realm of God's manifest presence. So you and I have come to Mount Zion, okay? Just kind of, when you read that imagery in Hebrews, when you go back over Hebrews again on your own, just remember, we have come to Mount Zion. It's not a physical mountain. It's the actual realm of the presence of God. And as we talked last week, I think, we are Zion maidens. I I just need to make a t-shirt with the Iron Maiden lettering, and and it'll be for the ladies. There we go. Okay, moving on. The astounding phenomena, Moses, this is verse 21. The astounding phenomena Moses witnessed caused him to shudder with fear. And he could only say, I am trembling in terror. And yeah, I joked. I said he probably had brown trousers. I'll let your imagination go. Verse 22, by contrast, we have already come near to God in a totally different realm, the Zion realm. This is repeating what we just started with, which... Uh, For we have entered the city of the living God, which is the new Jerusalem in heaven. We have joined the festal gathering of myriads of angels in their joyous celebration. Man, imagine that, guys. The angels are celebrating with us. We are just but echoing. When we worship here in this space, we're actually in, in the spirit. We are in heaven with all of the angels. And I have a feeling angels are just like coming in to the room and doing stuff. As we're worshiping in spirit there, we are like a gateway. We are like the funnel for the kingdom just to flow in. Your declarations are powerful. I I would encourage you when we're singing those songs, roar like an army of angels. Yeah. Yeah. Know that when you're roaring your praise, you're releasing something into the atmosphere. Okay, here we go. Verse 23, as members of the church of the firstborn, all our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven, and we have come before God who judges all and who lives among the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect in his eyes. Second part of that. Okay, so here's the definition of that word church. We kind of opened up with this, but this is the Greek word ekklesia which is commonly used for church. However, ecclesia means more than a church meeting. It's more than, we know it's more than a building, it's more than a temple, it's more than just what we're doing right here. This is like the powwow. This is like the the coming together and the planning. 
but that doesn't change what happens of, with what, who you are when you go out of this place. The ecclesia means more than a church meeting, it, for it is signified in Greek culture the governing assembly which had the authority to make decisions for the entire city. That's pretty powerful. It doesn't matter if our mayor is a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian. We have power and authority to influence the spiritual realm with our prayers and our declarations and our intercession. When we first moved to Bremerton, we had a perfect bird's eye view of the city, uh, the government building. I love to be able to just go out on, the, on that deck out there and just stretch my hands towards the government building and just begin to declare wisdom. God, I declare wisdom and favor over our government leaders. God, I ask that you would give them downloads and insight that would help our city, that would bless our city. They can be on the other side of the political aisle. It doesn't matter. God can break in to their decision-making. Yeah, there might be a spirit that they're operating under or being influenced by, but greater is he who is in you and in me than, than that spirit that's in the world that they're operating under. We have, we got to believe. Our belief system needs to get upgraded. <laughs> He's bigger. Our God is greater. Their God, if it's not our God, their, their demon influence is nothing compared to our God. So ecclesia, governing authorities, governing assembly. What do you want to be? You want to be a governor? You want to be a commissioner? Do you want to be a mayor? Just pray about it. I'm not saying, you know, get a badge and start wearing it around. <laughs> mayor Val, here to take spiritual authority over the city of Bremerton. But, but it's actually true. You know, I think you can have fun with God with that. I'm sure he's like, I like it. Get creative, because he's creative. Okay, verse 24. And we have come to Jesus, who established a new covenant with his blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Blood that continues to speak from heaven. Forgiveness. Just soak in that. His blood speaks over you and me. The word forgiveness, forgiveness. It's a better message than Abel's blood that, in, that cries from the earth, justice. We won't go back into that. You know, we all know the story of Cain and Abel. Abel, when his brother killed him, his blood soaked into the ground, and his blood cried out for justice. Justice, God. The blood of Jesus cries out forgiveness. It releases something. And of course, we you know, spent plenty of time, Tammy's favorite part of the book of Hebrews, when we looked at the diagrams of the temple and the Ark of the Covenant. She's like, can you play that video again? I did. <laughs> Actually, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. She's like, let's don't waste so much time in that. You know, some of us need to get that imagery because you, you'll read this and you'll be like, his blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat? What's that? Yeah, well, the mercy seat, just quick, I'm not going to pull up the diagrams. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark, the golden box that had poles that would go through it to be carried, and it was placed in the temple in the Holy of Holies, was the, the lid on that thing, well, let me back up. Inside the box were the, t the Ten Commandments, the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments, and also a jar of manna, and a wooden staff or a rod that Aaron had that actually budded. It was a staff. It's like taking a cane out of a closet, and there's 
buds growing on it. Pretty bizarre. Those things were in the Ark of the Covenant. And that Ark was placed in the Holy of Holies behind a thick curtain. And that is where the Shekinah glory of God rested on. It was like the throne of God here on earth. Instead of just in heaven, his presence manifested in that room. And nobody was allowed to go into that room except for once a year. And it was only the, the high priest. And he could only go in there with the blood of that Passover lamb that was freshly sacrificed, dipping his finger in the blood, probably shaking, taking the incense, the, the censer of, of incense and waving a cloud in there, probably to protect himself from anything he could see that might freak him out and make him fall down and die or something. I don't know, just my guess, my imagination. But just reach, I could just see it, reaching through that, that smoky cloud of incense with blood dripping on your finger and just like reaching up towards the, the top of the ark and drop, letting that blood drop. And then with the fear of God all over you, backing out, the little bells on your robe tinkling so that they knew that you were still moving in there, that God didn't kill you. And then backing out, so the blood of Jesus, Jesus, it says that we read in the earlier chapters, he went through a more perfect tabernacle, one not of this earth, presented his own blood in that place on our behalf, making atonement complete forever. So this scripture in chapter 12 is just reminding us, we've come to Jesus who has established a new covenant, a new agreement. The will has been put into effect. It's a new testament, a new will, a testimony sprinkled with his blood upon the mercy seat. His blood speaks forgiveness. So just hold that dear. The next time you take communion, just remember his blood speaks forgiveness. Verse 25, make sure you never refuse to listen to God when he speaks. For the God who spoke on earth from Sinai is the same God who now speaks from heaven. So just think about it. The same God that was on the mountain speaking Mount Sinai, giving Moses the Ten Commandments, is the same God who speaks right now. The only difference is we have a new standing with him. We don't have to worry about being struck dead because our sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus. So the, for the God who spoke on earth from Sinai is the same God who now speaks from heaven. Those who heard him speak, his living word on earth found nowhere to hide. So what chance is there for us to escape if we turn our backs on God and refuse to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven? God is serious. The word of God is serious. I want to encourage myself, and you should encourage yourselves. Let's, Scott, you can just talk to yourself. Just Take the word of God serious. Take his warnings serious. Take his promises serious. Take it all serious. Because this God is real and we will stand face to face with him one day. We can actually stand face to face with him now. The earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain. But now he has promised once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. I want to declare that over our, our planet right now. You can just, if you want to read it yourself, once and for all, he will not only shake the systems of this world, but he's going to shake the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. There is a shaking that is coming. A shaking is coming. I'm just going to keep declaring it over 
over everywhere I go. The shaking is coming. So here's our final section. And we still have six, five and a half minutes. Maybe we can do some praying. Did I hear something back there? Something from the peanut gallery? No? (laughs) Amen. Amens and hallelujahs are always welcome. You don't have to raise your hand and ask if you can say it. (laughs) Verse 27, and here's the final part of this chapter. Now this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates the final removal of things that are shaking. That is the old order. We're not talking about a new world order. That ain't going to happen. The old order is gone. So only what is unshakable will remain. Since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe. For our God is a holy, devouring fire. Just say it. Fire. Fire. Love it. I can't wait for the day when the fire just increases in this place, increases in each one of us. That just the word fire coming out of your mouth is going to release that river. That sprinkler is not going to be just a sprinkler, but you're going to be like napalm. You're going to... You're going to be like a flamethrower, and it's not going to hurt and burn people. It's going to actually release the Spirit of God imparting from you into them, and they are going to be touched and encountered with the living God, and they are going to tremble knowing that he is real and that God is among you. He's among us. So why don't we stand up? Oh, and yeah, the Aramaic can be translated. If, you're, if you don't like fire, if you're like, well, fire makes me think of hell. You know, I thought that. A long time ago, I thought, you know, I, thought, I, I heard a lady in a church years ago, uh, Ann Van Niekirk. She came to our church. Well, we were at the same church with Forrest and Amy. And this, she was a prophet in, a, in an international ministry called New uh, NCMI, New Covenant Ministries International. And she was, there was lots of apostles in that movement, but it seemed like, where were all the prophets? I don't know. We got all the apostles um, but she was a prophet, and she came to the church, and she would take her scarf off, and she'd, like, whip people with it, and they were all falling out, and they started removing all the chairs. And she would say, fire! And it sounded like a man's voice. kind of freaked me out. I'm just like, <laughs> like, okay, I hope that's God. She encouraged people, if you were doubters, to come up to the front and just find out for yourself. But Judy, you were there, too. I remember you were there. We were just sitting back watching, like, wow. And the pastor of the church he was just sitting back with his elbows on the stage, just kind of <laughs> just laughing. <laughs> anyway, the power of God moves in fire. Yeah. Jesus said that the yeah. baptism that you and I are intended for is a baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit. Fire and the Holy Ghost. That's why I put this picture up there. So let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. You know what? I don't even need to be the one to do all the praying. Let's just call out for the fire. Can we do that? Before we do that, let me just say this. When we have our family gatherings, which have made an impact on my nephew, when we have our family gatherings, I am often asked to take the honor of praying for the family blessing over the meal. I always welcome the presence of God. I don't say fire of God, come. But this is a family gathering. 
and every time we pray that at our house, the presence of God comes. How much more powerful when each one of us in this room now welcome the fire of God. So let's just take a few minutes and let's just call for the presence of God.